Episode 212 of the Bevan James Isle Show, Understanding Your Own Stress. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 212 of the Bevan James Isle Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. I have to say, I've just got home this morning, I'm recording this on a Sunday, I normally do my podcast on a Monday, but Joe and I have just spent a week and a half away, we took a group of runners up to a race in beautiful Nelson in New Zealand, we walked the Abel Tasman track, which is maybe one of my most favourite places in the world, if you ever come to New Zealand and you get through one of our great walks, I highly recommend it, um, and the Abel Tasman is just paradise, and we've got a perfect day, because it's time of the year, when no one was on the track, it was really great, and then we went to a place called Hamlet Springs, and we've just had a really nice time just chilling, relaxing, and unwinding, and let's be honest, we all need that sometimes in our lives, so I've come, I've come back feeling refreshed, I feel, I feel fired up and ready to go, and today's show, today's show, I've actually got an interview lined up next week, uh, or for the next episode at least, with a man by the name of Dr. Paul Wood, and we've had him on the show before, and he's released a new book called Mental Fitness, Build Your Mind for Strength and Resilience Every Day, and I read the book when I was on holiday, I really enjoyed the book, there's lots of good insight in there, and uh, I am going to get him on for the next episode, so I kind of didn't want to reveal too much of what was in the book, because obviously we'll talk about a lot of it, but he just did a really good breakdown of stress. And understanding stress and understanding stress within your own life. And I just want to share it with you today because I just think, well, you know, I'll get into the main gist of the show because there's lots that we can talk about there. Uh, there's one thing that he had in the book which I loved. And, and interestingly, it's something I'm very fortunate I have within myself. So I've had some bad news recently. So before Joe and I went away, I unfortunately, my my operation, if you listen to the show for a while, you'll know I had an operation in January, which is about six months ago, um, for a back problem that I had that was quite severe. And the operation I felt was a really good success, but I kind of had this really bad sciatica that just wasn't getting better. So I went back to the surgeon and said, oh, I'm not quite sure what's happening. I'm doing everything I should do. I'm, you know, if, if I'm the person who's going to do the work. So I've been working with my physio, I've been doing the work. Um, I have been keen, you know, I have been getting back into exercise and, and arguably maybe I had pushed it too hard, although I felt I'd navigated that quite wisely. So I went back to the surgeon, he got another um, scan done and unfortunately the injury has reoccurred. So the bulge has happened again and it's pushing on the nerve and that's what's creating the pain that I have. Now fortunately for me, um, it's not as painful as, as what it was before the first operation. So I have... A, a discomfort in my life right now it is definitely limiting me because there's things I can't do and it does disrupt my sleep a little bit so it's not perfect um, we're kind of the, the strategy right now with the surgeon is to wait six weeks I'll go back and see him in six weeks <clears throat> if it's progressed in the right direction then we'll just kind of stay on this path if it hasn't progressed then I may need another operation I'm kind of in two camps about it as I was walking out so I saw the surgeon and you know, I'm a very active person. The surgeon had learned a bit about me because some of his staff had worked with some of the stuff I did around fitness. So he knew that I was a pretty fit man who kind of loved to exercise and it was my job. And he told me the diagnosis and told me that 
you know, he's a chance going to need surgery again. And he was kind of very, he's a, he's a real, his name Rowan Shouten. He's a lovely, lovely man. And um, you could just tell he really cares. So he was kind of just, as we're walking out, saying, you know, I'm sorry for you, you know, I'm sure you'll be disappointed and stuff. And, and my attitude was, well, it is what it is. All I can do is what I can do and, and get on the right path. And he goes, geez, if all my patients were as positive as you, it would make my life a lot easier. And I'm very lucky in life because I do have, I don't know if positive is the answer, but I have an optimistic mindset, an optimistic mindset in that, I, I, I don't know, I just, my mind seems to find the ability and the best way to think through things. And as I was reading Dr. Paul Ward's book, he had a quote, there's a chapter about optimism and, and the importance of optimism in mental strength and mental fitness, which is the chapter or the title of his book. And he, he has a definition of optimism, which I really loved. And I want to read it to you right now because I just think it's a really good example of optimism. So, Optimism is not the same as overconfidence or sheer denial of what is actually going on in your life. For our purposes, optimistics aren't people who hold a rose-tinted belief that things will work out, sometimes in the face of everything that indicates that to the contrary. Optimists are people who find the most favorable explanation for the challenges and adverse events. Optimists are people who face the reality of their challenges, but who see themselves as capable of taking the steps required to increase the likelihood they will overcome them. I love that. I'm going to read that last line again. Optimists are people who face the reality of their challenges, but who see themselves as capable of taking the steps required to increase the likelihood they will overcome them. That's a really good quote. And, and as I was walking out of the meeting with Dr. Shouten, that's kind of the place I went to within myself. Now, I've had an operation six months ago. Ideally, I'd be in a place where that wouldn't be limiting me now. But it is. And the injury has reoccurred. And at least I know that's the case. And with Rowan, I, I have a plan. And so I do have this mindset of I have the capacity to take the steps required to get me back to a place where I'm better at than I am right now. Now, there might be a future where this doesn't happen. I might have a future where I may ne never be able to run again. And that would be a bummer. Don't get me wrong. I love running. I love impact exercise. But all I can do right now is put my focus on taking the steps required to increase the likelihood that I will overcome this. And I don't know, I just that's really connected with me when I when I read this in, in Paul's book. So it's just something I want to share with you. Now, obviously, I want to get my back right. I do want to get back to the path that I want to be on. And it looks like that path is a path that's another 10-month journey, maybe a little bit longer in front of me. And there's things about my life that have to be sacrificed for that reason. But in my mind, instead of just sitting here dwelling on the things I'm losing, I'm much better to put my focus on, again, the things required to help me have a likelihood of overcoming the problems I face. So I just want to kind of share that with you. Um, uh, one thing I will recommend is, is if, and I'm going to get Paul on again for the next episode, but optimism is something that some people naturally have, but it is also a learned behaviour. 
And in his book, Mental Fitness, he actually gives you some techniques on how you can prove your optimism. And to be honest, I'm sure in this show, over the years that I've presented this show, I've done some techniques on how to improve optimism. And if you are someone who does tend to have the pessimistic or that things will never work out for me mindset, there are techniques that you can go to improve this. And, and my first piece of advice would be make a commitment to changing this side of yourself. To me, that's the first step in any change journey is making the commitment to doing the work. And then you have to find the techniques and so on. But if you know, a pessimistic person can become an optimistic person. And, and the thing about us is that we're not all optimistic in all areas. Like I definitely have areas where sometimes I struggle with pessimism. And some people have areas where they have lots of pessimism and optimism in other areas. So it's not that it's always, you know, you are 100% of this thing in all areas of your life. It might just be that you have areas where you are pessimistic and maybe you need to be working on having an optimistic mindset and strategy moving forward in your life. So I just kind of want to share that with you guys because it's, it's something I'm working with right now in my life, and I just loved when I read that, that kind of definition of optimism. It just kind of made sense to me. So, um, yeah, just something to think about. Anyway, before I get into the main gist of the show, I just want to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show. The patrons are the people who donate some of their hard-earned money of my way, and it really helps me get the show out there, and it helps me you know, do what I need to do to help you guys get content that helps you grow. So these are some of the people who are patrons. When you become a patron, you get a cool nickname, Phoebe the Stark Sanders. We've got Michael the Hammer Noak. We've got Renee the Hawk Hawes. We've got Michael Hardcore O'Kane. We've got Samuel Molino Weaver. He's the mysterious man. We've got Donald the Explorer James. He We interviewed him a while ago with the great book, Manners. Get that on Amazon and Brittany Mystic McKitchen. These people are all patrons of the show and I really appreciate their support. If you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com, look at podcasts. Once you get to the podcast page, go to support me and then just go through the, the process of signing up. Once you sign up, you get a cool nickname and you just know you support the show. So for those people who are patrons, thank you very much and uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Anyway, let's get into the main gist of today's show. When I do public speaking, there's kind of lots of, I do lots of themes. You kind of, when I do public speaking, you have these themes. But um, one question I like, or the couple of questions I like to ask, and I'm sure I've talked about this on a podcast before, is um, what gets dropped when your life gets busy? And the answer is everything that's good for you. And I kind of say that question, I get people to stand up if they if they agree with that statement. And then the next question I ask, I get everyone to sit down, and the next question I ask is stand up if you feel your life is busy and everyone stands up and so it's a real good visual representation of most of us are busy most of us drop things that are good for us and where does it lead to in our life and often that leads to stress and stress is an interesting thing and stress because when we think about stress we tend to see it in a negative light and and i'm using a lot of work from dr paul wood's book the mental fitness or mental fitness build your mind for strength and resilience every day i'll put a link to the book in amazon in my show notes for today's show so you can get it yourself highly recommend it i have got paul coming on the the podcast next episode so we'll go into depth and some of the insights in there but one thing he talks about is good stress and bad stress and he talks about bad stress being distress and good stress being 
uh, they call it eustress. So eustress is what we call good stress. And eustress is, well, let's break it down. So here's this kind of, hmm, I'm going to say a graph. And he talks about comfort zone. And there's different levels of comfort zones. And the first is what we call when you are bored and comfortable. And this is where you have a low level of performance and a low level of stress. So it's that place where, and I'm going to be honest, it's interesting when you have a period of a holiday period, you know, Joe and I have been away for a week and a half. And you know when you've been away on holiday and you've you've needed the holiday and you feel really relaxed and you've really enjoyed the holiday. But then like the day before you come home, you think to yourself, I'm ready to get back to life. You know that you've, you've, you've had your unwinding feeling really relaxed, You've, you needed it, like I needed a break before this holiday, so you needed the break, but then at the end of it, you're kind of going, okay, I've had enough of just unwinding and relaxing, it's now time for me to get back to life, and in this graph, what he talks about is that in this period of time, you're in low performance, and so there's a low level of stress, and in my last week of my life, I've had a very low level of stress, I've been on holiday, been relaxed, slept in, kind of just did what we felt like doing on the day. So in this place, we can often feel bored. Now, I wasn't bored because I was on holiday, but you know what I mean. It's in that place when there's just low stress and low arousal. And this here is where a lot of people, unfortunately, live their life. And then we have what we call comfort zone. Comfort zone is kind of that place which is a little bit higher up the level of stress, a little bit higher up the level of performance, but it's probably in a way where it's very habitual. So it's where you know where you're living your life in a place where, you know, you're not dissatisfied where you're living your life, but you just know you're living it in a really good way. And he kind of calls that the comfort zone. And it's it's not a dissatisfying place, but it's also not a place where you feel you're thriving in your life. The next kind of level of the graph, and this is kind of the highest level. So if I'm kind of looking at the graph as I'm talking to this. You've kind of got performance going to the left, and at the bottom you've got stress. It's kind of like an upside down U or a half circle, and this is the peak performance area. And the peak performance area is where we experience a high level of performance and a moderate level of stress. And he talks about this as, as an optimal level. This is the optimal level of stress. Think of a time in your life when you've experienced this place, this optimal level of stress where, um, you know, I'm thinking of an example in my life where I was training for a race, where the stress of training for a race made my life more demanding because I had to get up early, I had to hit objectives for my training, um, I was demanding my body in a much higher way, it was challenging but it was optimal, like I felt really great because I was getting up, I remember my last half marathon I trained for, I had a busy life and I teach classes at 6 o'clock in the morning at the gym, so I'd get up, I'd drive to the gym at 4.30 and I'd do a 45 minute run with a hard session within it before I even went and taught my class, and I think I did a 50 minute run and I'd, I'd park at the gym at 4.30 and then, and this is like in the middle of the night, and then I'd run to Higley Park, which is a park close to my gym, do my main sets around Higley Park, get back to the gym at about, I think I got back to the gym at about 22, put my clothes on, went and taught my class. Now that was a pretty, that was a kind of a high, that was a, a moderate level of stress, but it was optimal because there was this kind of many levels of demands on me in this place. A, I had to plan my day extremely well. So I had to go to bed the night before. I did my alarm set, I had to have my bag set. So as soon as I got to bed, I got up and left. So there was this kind of, 
planning optimal performance that was sitting in there. Then when I got out of the car in the morning, it was a session that I had to do quite challenging. It wasn't just go for a run. There were some sets within that session that were quite demanding for me. So even within the run, I had to be an optimal version of myself when I got to my run. As soon as I got back from my run, I had to refocus on the class that I was teaching in front of me. So as you can see, you can look at that time and you can see there was a high level of performance and there was an optimal, optimal level of stress that sat within that. Now when I was in that place, when I, when I got to the end of that day, you know, if you listen to the show for a long time, you know, I always talk about that. You go to bed at the end of the day feeling that sense of satisfaction because you know you've nailed that day. And when I, on that day, I had that feeling of peak performance because I was growing and I was learning through that day. And when we think of a kind of the graph where the upside down circle, well, the upside down circle is the peak performance is where we want to be, where your level of performance is at a high level and your level of stress is moderate, but it's also optimal. And then we go to where we think about distress. And this is where we feel challenged, but challenged in a way which is above our current ability. And if I think of the example, I think of actually, if you listen to my last podcast, I think it was my last podcast, where I was talking about my band doing the last performance. And in that performance, how uh, I had to really work through the nerves and the anxiety that I was going through. And the reason was, is that the challenge was probably a little bit above my current ability. And so I felt distressed going into that place. The stress was not an optimal stress, it was actually a, a distressful place and I was kind of had to fight and if you go back and listen to the episode I talk about all the strategies that I had to use to say just to deal with this moment because I was focusing on why I could fail and instead what was the mindset and the strategies that was going to help me feel this and this is a place where you're challenged in a way where you actually feel outside of your ability in a way that's not a healthy stretch so when I think about when I'm helping people grow one thing I'm always trying to think of is what's the right stretch for their current ability and sometimes when people who are mentors or coaches when they think about stretching people they stretch them way too far based on their current ability and so with this in mind the challenge needs to be the right challenge and sometimes that challenge is too high and this is where the stress level can get to a distressed level. And then he has the furthest point along. And the furthest point along is where we feel fatigue, panic, anger, and anxiety, where we have a low level of performance. So we actually just feel we're doing poorly. So let's use my example from my band last time. Let's say I got up on stage, and, and I think if I look back on that performance, I think I did as good as I could you know, based on where I am within my skill set as a live performer. Let's say I got up on stage and I just fumbled my way and I was an absolute disaster through the whole time. I would have felt anxiety, I would have felt panic, I, would have, I don't know if I felt anger, but I would have, you know, this overwhelming sense of stress. So high overstress and really low performance. And this would have just been a really distressful place for me. And then the, ultimately the end point of this is what we call breakdown and burn out. And it's a really interesting kind of, you know, in, in, in my example, which this didn't happen for me, but in my example, for a lot of people, this could be represented by um, just walking off stage, you know, where you just you just quit. Uh, there's a really good example of this in, now I don't know if, 
well, there's a really good example. Of, there's a, in Australia, in one of the Olympics, I can't remember which Olympics it was, there was this rowing team in Australia, and one of the rowers at the Olympic Games, and I think this team was a team that was a real medal contender, and they were expected to do really well, and they're in the final of the Olympics. And these are these are elite athletes, elite athletes, you know, the best of the best in their peak moment. Like, think about that. How often in life do you train for a peak moment? And this is, you know, four years of their life, or, you know, longer than that. Their whole life they've trained for this moment, and they're in this peak moment. And one athlete, I can't remember her full name, but I know her last name, her name was Sally, because halfway through the race, she just lay down and quit. And she got called Lay Down Sally, based on the song, I think, by Eric Clapton. And that's kind of their moment that we're talking about, that breakdown moment where you just, it's just too much and you have to quit. And you think of the performer who just walks off stage or the person who just quits their job, that's the breakdown moment. Now, in Paul's book, he does a really great job of breaking down the different levels. So I'm going to break them down to you because he talks about flourishing, achieving, surviving, getting fatigued, and fatigued. So this is where he talks about stress in regards to the different levels of stress and and the flow-on effect of the different levels of stress. So ultimately what we want to be in is we want to be in that place where we're at least at comfort zone, but more often than not in the learning and growing zone in our life. And one thing he does in his book is he actually gives you a, a kind of like an assessment you can do. So he kind of breaks down. And one thing he does really well is he breaks down what are the highest causes of stress. So he kind of does this thing of the death of a spouse is obviously like 100 points. So it kind of gives a points level. So like 100 points is death of a spouse. spouse. Uh, the lower points is something like a... Uh, Christmas or vacation that can cause some stress so you only get 11 points for that and what he does is he breaks down so divorce is 73 points marital separation is uh, uh, after divorce obviously a jail term is 63 so he kind of gives these points based on levels of stress and then from high stress right down to low stress and then you have to kind of go through and just circle which ones you're currently going through and then from there he gives you a stress score so it's a really good thing to just to really think about what is your stress level in your life right now and I suppose let's think about you right now if you were to think you know so so his score interpretation says 11 to 150 is you only have a low level to moderate chance of developing stress stress-related illness in the near future. Then 150 to 299 is you have a moderate chance to high chance of developing stress or illness. And then 300 to 600 is a high risk of you developing stress-related illness. So he's kind of based on that continuum or that graph. Then he's kind of got you to do this assessment of where you currently sit within stress in your life based on that point system, based on the things you are going through in your life right now. Now, I suppose... One of the best things you could do is get this book and go through this process. But just within yourself, where do you think your stress levels sit in your life right now? Like even if you just think low, moderate, high, where do you think your stress levels sit? And today I'm not really going to necessarily give you a lot of strategies to deal with stress. Today's more just about understanding where you are with stress. And it's a good thing to really kind of put your finger on because if you are listening to this right now and you know you're in high stress and I'll, I'll kind of read 
some of the high things. So uh, death of a spouse, divorce, marital separation, jail term, death of a close family member, personal injury or illness, marriage, obviously a bad marriage, uh, getting fired, um, retirement, change in health of a family member, uh, pregnancy, sexual difficulties, gaining a new family member, business readjustment. So these are some of the high stress. If I look at some of the mids, it's change in your working condition, uh, change in residence, change in school, change in recreation, change in church activities, and then again some of the lows are things like change in eating habits, vacation, or Christmas holidays, and minor violations of the law. So when you think about stress, have you had some of those things happen in your life recently? And where do you sit in your stress continuum? Because if we can start to understand where we sit in our stress continuum, then we can start to implement some of those tools that can help us move away from stress. And again, today I'm not necessarily going to spend a lot of time on the tools. I just want you to really spend some time thinking about where your stress levels are. Now the next thing that he kind of works on in the book is this kind of understanding of how stress is represented in you. And he's, I'm not, again, I'm not going to go too much into this, but it's too much strain is represented by and just being indecisive, suffering memory lapse, making stupid errors, losing your temper quickly, feeling anxious, insecure, moody, oversensitive, frequent headaches, feeling tense, and so on. So, as you can see, this is some of the flow and effects of stress. But what he does really well is he kind of creates this concept of a flourishing versus a fatigue continuum and so he has a scale of one to ten and one being that you are ultimately really fatigued that you're in a place in your life where you're feeling overly fatigued and then ten is where you feel you are flourishing and I'll break down how he kind of talks about each category. So number one is fatigue. You're not functioning. You've lost perspective. And he, he kind of think, talks about, you see things as permanently. So you see things as, he has this, in the book he talks about permanent, pervasive, and personal. So, so my problem is permanent, it's pervasive, and it's personal. Uh, when you feel fatigued, you feel helpless, hopeless, useless, and purposeless. You constantly feel overwhelmed, and you feel withdrawn. So that is the worst level of fatigue of feeling distress. And that's in that place where if we go back to the graph, you're looking at you've got burnout, you probably feel highly stressed and low level of performance. Second level is getting fatigued. So this is where, and to be honest, I've probably done this around the wrong way because he kind of talks about flourishing versus fatigue. So I'm, I'm going to reverse this. I'm going to go back to flourishing. So this is the place where you ultimately want to be. So when you're in flourishing, you're in high performance, you're really sick, as in you're hardly ever sick, um, you feel positive, you're active, you're sharp and alert, and you have the capacity to do more. So that's in the place where if we think of the, the graph I talked about, it's where your peak performance and you've got optimal level of stress. You're growing and learning. Again, you feel high performance, you're really sick, you're positive, you're active, you're sharp, and you just feel you can do more. A step down from that, so he kind of calls this 8 out of 10, so 10 out of 10 was flourishing, is achieving. You're on top of things, you're motivated, you enjoy what you do, you're positive about your future, you're occasionally sick and tired or forgetful, and occasionally you need some pick-me-ups. So if we think of the graph that I talked about earlier, you're, you're probably in that place where you're between peak performance and that comfort zone area. So an achievement level is 
a good level to be in. And ultimately, I suppose what we want to be in life is we want to be in that place where we're between achievement and flourishing. That That's kind of, you know, I talk about baseline behaviours. That's kind of the place where we want to sit in most of the time. I think flourishing is a place that most people will struggle to be in all the time. So we want to kind of sit in achievement and have moments of flourishing is probably how I'd sit with that. The next level is what we call surviving. Managing most things. Few balls are dropping but not letting others down. Your reactive, heightened anxiety. Harder to resist clutches. Often grumpy, tired or disinterested. So this is this place which probably sits between comfort zone and bored zone. Comfort zone is that you're alert and engaged, probably low under arousal and level of performance. Not terrible, but not in a good place. And I've got to be honest, I think a lot of people probably live in this place, this place of surviving. Again, I'll read it again. You're managing a few things, a few balls are dropping, but not letting others down. Reactive, heightened anxiety, harder to resist clutches, often grumpy, tired, or disinterested. I don't know, if you're listening to this, is this connecting with you right now? The next level is getting fatigued. So not meeting responsibility, problematic use of clutches. So that's things like um, overeating, drinking alcohol, drug use, um, you know, disconnection, those, you know, you're getting to that point where you're using them to a place where it's becoming problematic. You're putting on weight because you're eating too much. Uh, relationships are suffering and you're starting to feel significant distress. So when you get into this point, there's a real wake-up call. Something needs to change. And then lastly, and if we go back to the graph, you're probably in that place where there's a low level of arousal and a low level of performance. And then lastly, or... Sorry, actually, no, this place, you're probably, I've gone the wrong way. You're probably distress zone where you're fatigued, panic, anxiety, and anger, and maybe even going to burnout, and then fatigued. And this is a place where people ultimately just kind of break down. It's not functioning, low perspective, feeling hopeless, helpless, useless, and purposeless, and constantly overwhelmed and withdrawn. When we think about this, then we want to think about what do we do and how do we overcome this? And this is what we've got to think about in regards to this, is we need to actually develop some strategies to, to get to where we need to get to. And why I wanted to share this with you today is, is where do you think you currently sit on the flourishing versus fatigue continuum? If you think about fatigue, getting fatigued, surviving, achieving and flourishing, where do you think you currently sit? Now, for some of you guys, you're going, Bev, I am flourishing. I am in a place where I just, everything I touch is going to gold. I absolutely love the place I'm in. Like, life just couldn't be better. Some of you will be going, Bev, you know what? I'm not in that flourishing place right now, but overall, I'm kicking butt. Pretty happy with where I am. I want to get back to flourishing. I'm doing pretty well. Some of you is going, you know what? I'm just in survival mode. Just in survival mode. And I'm surviving, but definitely a few things could fall off the wagon. And then others are getting fatigued where things are starting to drop. You, you, you know, you're starting to use your clutches in a way that is starting to hurt you. And then others maybe are in that place where you're just fatigued. This is a really important tool to have in our life because I think all of us go through the spectrum at times. Now, hopefully you don't get to that place of ultimate fatigue. And, and ultimately what we want to learn in life is how do we avoid probably at the worst, fatigue and getting fatigued, and 
maybe even survival and how do we stay in a place where achieving and flourishing is the standard we stay at all the time and with this in mind this is why this is a really important tool is this is an awareness tool that you want to use in your life this is a tool that you want to kind of sit down occasionally and just go you know where am i sitting right now in regards to the flourishing versus fatigue continuum and, and like for example one thing I do is I do my weekly meeting if you've listened to this you know I do my weekly meeting and it's a good tool that I could just sit within that where am I sitting right now am I flourishing versus fatigued I'm if you've every show I do on this podcast I'm going to talk about how awareness is the most important tool and unfortunately a lot of people who have often been in achieving and flourishing places can wake up in the future in a place where they feel fatigued or they feel getting fatigued or they're just surviving and to me one of the biggest problems is they just let life happen to them they just let life happen to them. They don't have those moments where they stop and catch and aware that they're going in the wrong direction. And that's why implementing a tool like the Flourishing versus Fatigue Spectrum tool into your life is a really good thing to do. It might just be that once a month you just have to sit down and write down where you currently sit. And if you find you're in a place where you're going from fatigue, you know, going towards fatigue, or you're in the lower end of that spectrum, what can you do to change that? And I guarantee that if, you know, I, I believe you're intelligent. I believe you're smart. I believe that you could probably find a lot of the answers to yourself within yourself. And I believe that if you were to catch, you know what, I'm going from surviving to getting fatigued. This is a moment I need to make some change. I believe that you could probably find the answers to that. You're pretty intelligent. It's just that often in life we don't stop and catch the awareness. And so... This is the reason I want to share this with you today. As I was reading this book, I was just thinking to myself, this is such a good tool because unfortunately a lot of people just don't catch it. They're slipping down the spectrum or down the scale in the flourishing versus fatigue continuum. And if you can become someone who implements this tool, and it might just be that once a month, you know, put it in your diary. The great thing about diaritizing your life especially with the tech tools nowadays, is you can just say repeat it each month. You might just go every Sunday once a month, you've got to do a check-in on this tool. And if you find it's going in the wrong direction, then you design a plan to put it in the right direction. And then if you're doing well, it's just a pat on the back experience. And that's why I wanted to share this with you today. If you are in a place where you're feeling fatigued or getting fatigued or you're just surviving, you need to put some plans in place. You need to make some change. Because ultimately, we want you to get to a place where, at a minimal, you, you feel you're in that achieving place. And if I, if I think of that graph, you're at a minimal, you're in your comfort zone. You know, ultimately, we want you to experience some growth and learning as well. But at a minimal, you're sitting in that place. And, and your life is just this kind of little wave between comfort zone and growth comfort zone you know so between achieving and flourishing you know that's where we want you to be living your life and if you can have the awareness tool that catches when you're going in the wrong direction you're intelligent you'll make the changes that you need to make and also you'll be able to catch when it's going in the wrong direction so you don't wake up in that place where it's ultimate burnout where you've disconnected in your life because i've got to be honest if you're waking up in that place if I go, if you're waking up in that place and you're not functioning, you've lost perspective, you're feeling hopeless, helpless, useless, and purposeless, constantly overwhelmed and withdrawn. It's 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 a it's a journey. You don't just snap your fingers and you get out of that place. You can get out of that place, and and you, there is hope, but it's a journey. 
And it's a journey that takes time and effort and support and planning and and a lot of work to get from where you are right now to a much better place. If you can catch that earlier and see you going down that place, it's a different journey. And so a, a tool like this is a really good tool to add to your life because A, you can catch when you're going in the wrong direction and catch it earlier. And B, if you are in a bad place, you can realize that you can create plans and you can move forward from this. So today's episode's maybe a little bit different to what I normally do, but unfortunately, if I kind of wrap it up, unfortunately, a lot of us live in distress because our performance is low and we're feeling overwhelmed. And the flow-on effect to our life can be really massive. If we can start to learn how to manage our stress and catch those cues that are teaching us that we're going in the wrong direction, we can live in that place where we are achieving and flourishing as the main experience of our life. And to me, that's a much better place to live our life. So all I want you to think about is just where do you currently sit in your life? And maybe if you want to make a commitment, maybe make a commitment to adding a tool like this as a check-in every so often in your life. And again, if you want to get the book, it's called Mental Fitness by Dr. Paul Wood. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can download it or go and get it from there. And uh, again, I've got Paul on the episode in the next episode, so I'm sure we'll dig deep into this. If you do this, I always finish this section with, I'm sure you'll be a much higher version of yourself. Alrighty, Tim, hopefully uh, you took something from that. It's uh, stress, man. It's a big one. It's a big one. And the health costs, man, the health costs are huge. You know, and what is health? Health is connection. Health is physical. Health is mental. Health is... Oh, man, when people get stressed, especially distressed, um, it's, yeah, it's not good for your life. So uh, one of the best things we can do is, is work on this. So again, I'm really looking forward to getting Paul back on the show. He's a he's a pretty passionate man. He's a very knowledgeable man. And so, and I, and I really enjoyed his book. So yeah, you can check it out, Mental Fitness. Um, just, I did get an email from one of the patrons show, actually, Louise Crosby, and she just got... I'm at, the reason I'm emailing is that two of my friends are preparing to break the world record for how many rounds of a CrossFit worky, workout called the Murph they can do in 24 hours. It's to help raise money for a charity and awareness for people in the military and for those who have served. Last month they did a challenge to raise money and awareness for mental health by completing 48 hours on your assault bike. Off the back of that success, they're prepared for something bigger. 48 hours on an assault bike. Bugger that for a joke. Uh, if you don't know what, what an assault bike is, it's um, it's it's one of those bikes that has the hands. It looks like it's got a big wind thing at the front of it. It's got the hands. And I'll use it at the gym for really short, intense sessions. It's a really good training thing because biking is often just a lower body movement. But because you've got more arms, your arms moving as well, you've just got that more body parts working so it's very challenging uh doing 48 hours respect but she was just wondering if we could give us some publicity so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna put a link to their instagram page and what you can do is if you want to support them uh i'm not sure exactly when they're doing this but you can go in there i'm sure you'll be able to do a donation and something like that and you can just be able to support them in doing what they're doing uh, they've got a bit of a video here so yeah so uh, i'll put a link to it uh other than that um and that's pretty much me for this week. I'm looking forward to getting back into life. I'm checking this book working on. I'll tell you what, this book's a project. Book book is a big project. I've, I think I've found a team that can help me do the next level of the book, which is exciting. I kind of think in the back of my mind, 
early next year. I'm thinking as we begin next year, the book will be ready. So when I think about it, it's probably been a two-year journey, this book. So, you know, it's got, you know, it's a lot of effort that goes into writing a book. And uh, the proof will be in the pudding, I suppose. That's kind of cool. And other than that, I'm just looking forward to kind of sorting out what's happening with my body so I can kind of get back to what I normally at. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, thank you for a festival for those who are patrons. If you aren't a patron and you want to support the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com. If you want to also support the show, share links to your friends and family on your social feeds. And also, if you want to write a review, go into your podcatcher and do that. Other than that, I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with the next episode. Again, it's with Dr. Paul Wood on his book, Mental Fitness. As always, keep being you, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm.